Yeah, so this is, hey, yo, this is IBTAT. You're listening to the Christian Ultra Podcast. Hey, guys, that was Jeff Oliver, and you're listening to the Christian Ultra Podcast. Here's a taste of what's ahead. You'll see me break down. I don't know if you watch YouTube videos where I just break down crying on the trail. Not that I'm in physical pain or anything like that. I just break down. Well, I'm hashing stuff out of my head when I'm on these long hikes. Hey, guys, welcome back to my uh, podcast and uh, just for those who who may not have tuned in for a while uh, and have noticed that I'm um, interviewing hikers is that I said previously in one of my intros is that I really believe to hike you know 2,000 miles on a long trail takes a level of ultra endurance so that's why I'm really focusing in on this series um, of interviews with hikers and today's guest you've heard in the intro is Jeff Oliver also known as IB Tat um, he's a pretty popular youtuber and also just completed the triple crown we talk about his history with alcohol and how that became destructive for him um, turning that around uh, getting into sports and eventually nature with hiking and it's a really cool, insightful interview. I really appreciate the way Jeff just completely opened up and uh, just bared all for who is listening. Um, a little precursor, Jeff uh, is known for swearing a lot on um, his YouTube videos. And he didn't say one single swear word in this episode, which really shocked me. So it's a, fam- it's a, a family-friendly episode for you guys. Just before we get into the show, I do actually want to mention my online run coaching. So anyone who's interested in getting into the world of ultra marathon running or ultra running, trail running, mountain running, I'm offering online coaching for people, which includes uh, a full program on training peaks, uh, weekly or whenever necessary catch ups. I offer an unlimited package. And um, yeah, support with the 20 years of um, experience I have as an ultra runner. I'm currently the uh, hold the record for the fastest known time of Britain's longest national trail. I was a pacer who ran the most miles um, during Carol Sabay's successful 2018 fkt on the appalachian trail and it's still the current record today and i've run over 135 marathons and ultras um pretty much hitting top 10 for a good third of those so uh yeah go and check out my website www.christianultra.com that's christian spelled k-r-i-s-t-i-a-t-i-a-n okay many thanks here is tom to say a few words about my run coaching. Tom's an awesome uh, dude who has completed his first 100 miler um, and 50 miler under the supervision of Christian Ultra Coaching. So uh, Tom has something to say. Hi there, my name's Tom and I'm a client of Christian's. He has helped me run my first 50 miler in October 2020. And again, he helped me run my first 100 miler in May 2021. I finished them both and I was really happy with my times and how I felt throughout the whole thing. 
and that's a lot of that goes down to him uh, he's a great runner a great coach and a great human so if you're looking to run any distance really i would get in touch with him thank you christian hey, that's enough from me guys onto the show so everything you do say <laughs> will be written I'm, down. I'm, on the, I'm the official record now <laughs> that's it hey uh congratulations so you just completed your triple crown Yes, sir. It's been a long time coming. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I was just having a look at your um your hikes and your first hike was back in 2018 on the Appalachian Trail. Yep, 2018. Um then did the PCT in 19 and then uh took a year a COVID year off and, yeah. uh, and then did the uh, CDT this past year. How long have you uh how long has it been since you stepped off the CDT? So I finished September 23rd, I think. And, uh, so it's been a couple months since I've been off the trail body is still, still recovering. My joints are still pretty messed up, but we're slowly getting back to normal. Yeah. Well, that's listen, a big congratulations. Cause I mean, all three of them, it, like you say, it's been a long time coming. How do you, how do you feel after, after accomplishing the triple crown? So it's, it's the very, a very similar feeling you get after completing each trail I've, I've had you when you get close to the end of these trails, your body is so wrecked and your mind is, is pretty trash too. So when you first finish these trails, it's almost like a sense of relief when you're done. But then after you transition back to the quote unquote real world, you soon realize that I wish I was still back out on the trail. So it's kind of a bittersweet moment where you, when you finish, cause you want to be done cause you're so tired, but then quickly you're like, man, I wish I was still out there playing in the dirt, you know? Yeah. Um, so that transition period back to the real world is always rough and never, I mean, I've done this three times now and it's, it's always rough. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, there's a name, there's a couple of names. I think one of the things people say is post hike blues. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. yeah. Uh, post trail depression. Uh, I've yeah. had it on all three trails. Um, yeah. it just, the, the only, I, 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 I don't know how to combat this. I don't think there's any good way to combat this. There's ways you can, ease the transition a little bit easier uh, what i found is just getting back out in the woods i mean i've spent the majority of my day since i've been home just sitting in the woods by myself um reflecting on what i've done in the past you know three four years yeah. um reaching it reaching out to previous through hikers that you've hiked with always helps just to talk about trail life because when you start integrating back into society and you start talking to people about what you've just done Nobody can relate to that other than the people have actually done it. So it's exactly. important to talk about the trail and reminisce and uh, it eases the transition a little bit more. Well, let's, let's go back um, and give people a bit of, let's paint a picture for, you know, who you are, what you, what, what you were doing. I mean, there's a lot to talk about and um, yeah, I'd like to cover as much as we could. Um, what, what did you actually do before you set out, I see that you've had a YouTube channel. I think your oldest video is about six years. Um, yeah. And, and I noticed you did a bit of trail running, a bit of mountain biking, and it seems a fair bit of like weight training kind of bodybuilding. What, 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 what did you, yeah. What were you doing before you started hiking? Uh, I was, I was basically an alcoholic <laughs> to put it bluntly. Um, <laughs> yeah. I spent the better part of 15 years uh, drinking every single day, all day. Um, wow. And, um, I was a functioning alcoholic. I was working still. I was a, I was a breakfast cook and cook in mom and pop restaurants. Um, I, I was traveling around, uh, different States, but I was a, I was a functioning alcoholic for about 15 years. And, um, 
I, I sobered up in 2013, went cold Turkey. And I had this big void in my life at that point. Cause I had been drinking for so long and I didn't know what to do with myself. So I decided to start a YouTube channel. Um, and I first got into mountain biking and weightlifting and trail running, um, just to get my body back, you know, to normal. Um, I, I, I tried to get back into exercising. I realized I couldn't even run a mile without wanting to die. And I was early thirties. I'm like, this is insanity. I, I shouldn't be this out of shape. So I started getting out in nature, running mountain biking, that whole nine yards, the hiking came later, but it was, it was basically trying to get myself out of a drunken stupor, um, and get my body back to normal. Yeah. I mean, so you must've started in your late teens then. Is that right? Uh, hiking and all that or no, no, sorry dr oh, drinking, drinking? Like, oh yeah, yeah. I, I was an alcoholic from the first time i picked up a drink um yeah i was i was i was getting blackout drunk when i was like 16 17 years old and then it just progressed by the time i hit early 20s i was i you know, i was hitting it pretty hard and i did that for close to you know 10 years um when i for when i finally quit i was drinking at least a, a fifth of whiskey a day just to function um, just take the edge off to go to work and everything else. So when I ended up quitting, you know, it was, uh, it was, it was rough. Like I said, I went cold Turkey. So I went through a pretty rough withdrawal period for about two weeks. And then once I, once I got past the withdrawals, I went, uh, a, an outfitter, bought a mountain bike, bought a backpack and started hiking around Montana. Yeah. Yeah. So, so you've, you, you, you really, you came out, you saved yourself then, you, you know, like getting outdoors kind of, because the trajectory of continuing to drink like that is pretty much, I guess, just an early death, you know? Oh, absolutely. I, yeah. Um, I was, I was going down that road. If I had continued on that path, I wouldn't have made it much longer. Um, but yeah, my, my Instagram, I, when I started Instagram, I, I called it saved by mountains and that's quite literal. Um, yeah. my life was saved by getting out in mother nature. She, she healed me. Uh, I tried everything under the sun to get sober up to that point. Um, probably the, the, previous two years before I actually did get sober, I, I was trying everything under the sun. I want the alcoholic anonymous. I want the inpatient treatment, outpatient tre uh, treatment, all sorts of rehabs, counseling. None of it worked. I woke up one day, looked in the mirror and said, I'm done. And then I, it was straight up willpower to quit. So mother nature, I, 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 the willpower got me sober. Mother nature, you know, allowed me to continue that path. So yeah, you, you, you started the YouTube channel. You, you got your, you, you tried to get some kind of fitness back and, um, and then wh where did you first hear about, you know, like the Appalachian trail and people hiking the entire thing in one go? So I had known of the Appalachian trail. I can't remember the year I picked up the book, but this, this book grabs a hold of a lot of, uh, through hikers. It's called a walk in the woods by Bill Bryson. Yeah, um, I've read it. Uh, I'm sure yeah. you read it. Yeah. A lot of people have read it. I've probably read that book six times. So I read that book way back when, when it first came out. And I enjoyed the book, but I didn't think anything of it. You know, I understood it was the Appalachian Trail, but I didn't really know anything too much other than what the book um, was, was saying. So I moved from Montana to North Carolina, which is very close to the Appalachian Trail. At that point, I had gotten into backpacking and um, I started to do weekend trips, section hikes on the Appalachian Trail in North Carolina. Um, and I, I went up and did a weekend trip on a place called Max Patch, which is a big 360 degree bald. The Appalachian Trail goes directly over it. And I went and camped up there one weekend and um, two through hikers happened to come and camp next to me. And I went over to their camp and started talking to them that night. 
And the next morning I saw them walk off that bald and I looked at them. I'm like, those guys are walking in Maine. That is the coolest thing ever. <laughs> so I went home from that trip, started getting on Google and just nerded out big time on the Appalachian trail. And at that point I made the decision I was going to hike it. Um, so I started buying gear, planning, you know, logistics and trying to, I got a second job to save up money. And, uh, two years later I was on the trail. So that was at 2016 when I first started really thinking about it. Yeah. And, and then working towards it, doing your research, saving money and, and getting ready for the, for the hike. And at this point, um, were you aware of the, you know, before you started the Appalachian trail, were you actually aware that of the triple crown? Um, I was soon after. So when I first started researching the Appalachian trail, I had, I, I didn't know what the continental divide was. I didn't know what the Pacific coast trail was. Um, but when I started going down the rabbit hole of through hiking the Appalachian trail, I soon realized there was this thing called the triple crown. So with my addictive personality, when I decided to do the Appalachian trail, I knew in my head, I was going to do all three. I mean, it was just, that was it. Um, I wanted to escape my previous life. I wanted to spend as much time on the trail as I possibly could. So why not, you know, do all three rather than just one. It's my addictive personality. So, um, yeah, yeah, that was, that was the plan from the get. Yeah. It sounds like a lot more of a, you know, I mean, no, no, you're not going to be doing interviews about, um, if you just stayed drinking and being an alcoholic, you know, anyone's really going to be interested in, you know, in that kind of addiction, but addicted to hiking i mean what you do uh it inspires people absolutely it's it's a drug like anything else um but yeah you're rather than you know inspiring people to be in a drunken stupor i, I can now inspire people to get out in mother nature and hike these long trails because it, it sure saved my life no doubt about it so after this um so let's go to 2016 you've been so before uh like on, on the way to three years now. Um, mm. and, um, did you, you know, like start getting your health back and, and feel like you were in some relatively kind of shape? Yeah. So initially, initially when I got over the withdrawals and I, I started doing day hikes, I was living up in whitefish, Montana, at the base of big mountain ski resort. I wasn't a skier, but I would, I'd go up and mountain bike the mountain in the summertime and hike it. Um, I was still in really bad shape. Um, and like I said, I started to get into running a little bit. So I, I, I tried to run a mile. I remember one day and I almost died. Like I couldn't, I couldn't run a mile. I thought was, this is ridiculous. I'm young. I shouldn't, I should be able to, you know, at least run a mile. So I, I started Googling races in the local area and there was a half marathon coming up in, in, in Montana, um, that, that next summer. I said, all right, I'm going to, I can't run a mile now, but I'm going to run a half marathon here in about six months. So I started training every single day. Soon I could do a mile, then three miles, then five miles. And in six months I signed up for that, uh, half marathon and, and I ran it. And, uh, and then I started getting in like Spartan racing, you know, that kind of thing. And yeah. so a- after about a year and a half or so, I was, I was well on my way and I started going to the gym and just got addicted into that, that life, <laughs> you know, in fitness. Yeah yeah so i did a complete 180 for sure yeah no that's that's good to hear and and so so you you um you got onto the appalachian trail and speak about i know there's three long trails here and you know there's no way we could cover but like also you mentioned youtube i mean you're you're a pretty successful youtuber as well so the combination of 
I mean, and also I have to say, um, your photo is really pleasing to the eye. So I would say a, a talented photographer as well. So how, what was it like incorporating YouTube, um, YouTubing and photography into your Appalachian trail hike? So, well, thank you. First of all, uh, that means a lot to me. Um, yeah, the whole YouTube thing, when I decided to hike the Appalachian trail, I, I, my YouTube channel, I'd already started a few years previous to that. Um, so I was, you know, just getting on like, uh, um, iMovie and doing, you know, windows movie maker. So I sort of knew how to edit video, but not really. The main reason I decided to vlog my, my through hike on the AT was I wanted something to look back at years. You know, some people are out there on the trail putting pen to paper every night journaling. I figured this, I do a video journal. So it was for my own personal satisfaction of that, you know, 20, 30 years from now, I could go back and look at every day of my hike on video. I didn't plan on it taking off and actually developing a following. Originally it was just for me. Um, and then and it soon progressed to where, you know, I found myself in a position where I could inspire others that were battling addiction or just lost in life to, uh, get out on the trail. Um, so and then for the whole photography thing, I, I developed a love for that while I was on the Appalachian trail. I just, I had a little point and shoot camera on the AT and I was kind of learning as I went, you know, and then about halfway through the trail, I realized, man, I really love taking photos of nature. Um, so when I got off the AT, I bought a really good mirrorless camera and then just progressed from there. And it's become one of my major hobbies now making video as well as taking photos. And luckily in the lifestyle that I'm in, as much time as I spend in the woods, they just go hand in hand and they feed off of each other. So Yeah, it's, it's a good uh, combination there. And then, so obviously you did create a following um, and you also, I've got here, your most popular video has like got 32 K views. Um, and that was actually the approach trail to the Appalachian trail in 2018. You know, that's a lot mm -hmm. of, that's a lot of views right there. A lot of people. Um, and, and then, it worked for you because you um, you you continued that trend like through to the Pacific Crest Trail and the CDT. Like, what would you say? Could you imagine doing, say, the hike now or a hike without also doing YouTube, or has that become two things which you couldn't separate right now? You know, that's a good question. I've actually thought about this many times. The one of the main questions I get quite often is does this whole YouTube being filming thing take away from your actual hike? And I've always, I've, I've always come to the conclusion that I believe it enhances my hike because I'm constantly looking at things to film and photograph. So my sensory, you know, I'm on sensory overload all the time and I see hikers will, they'll just burn past a, a viewpoint or a specific, uh, I'll see a, the, how the light's hitting a tree in a specific way. And I'm fascinated by it. So I stop and video it or photograph it. Um, so I think it enhances my hike. On the other hand, there are some downsides to it. The main one being when you get to town and I've, I, I do a video every single day. So by the time I get to town, I have to upload all these videos and all the other hikers I see are relaxing at the local pub or, you know, just chilling around a hostel. I'm sitting there at a coffee shop in front of an iPad for like six, seven hours trying to upload these videos. So that, that part of it, I, I dislike, um, when you're dog tired and you just hike 20 to 30 miles and you just want to go to bed, I'm in my tent at night editing video every single night. So that part is hard. 
I've always wondered what it would be like to actually hike one of these long trails and not video it. Um, it would be a totally different experience, but I've done it every single day on all three of these trails now. So I don't know any other way to hike these trails. Yeah. Uh, it would be, inter- it would be interesting what kind of experience, how my experience would change, um, without video it. But I plan on to keep doing it cause I enjoy doing it. If I didn't enjoy it, I wouldn't, I wouldn't film every single day cause it is, a, it is a chore. Uh, it becomes work after a while. Um, but I, I still like doing it. So I'm going to continue to do so. No, you know, I really appreciate it because, uh, so I was, my history with the trail is that I helped set the records, um, for the FKT back in 2018. In fact, that was the year that you were there, um, for the Appalachian trail. And, um, yeah, then I had two failed attempts, 19 and this year, but what happened was after failing to set the records this year, I decided to join the hikers, um, and uh do the last two states uh you know through the whites and stuff and just hiked mm-hmm. and uh yeah i did th- you know there, there were hikers talking about burnout and um becoming almost numb you know not everybody but uh right. and some of them actually calling it work but i guess like you said with your youtube and combined with hiking you you're always looking and like you say you're on sensory overload you're looking for you know good lighting um with you know things around you to be able to interact with your camera and your video so it does seem like it adds than takes away except for you you going to town and stuff um right yeah yeah no i i really do appreciate that and would would you say now you've done three of these uh big long hikes it is there a pattern with how your body big like in terms of fitness like you get your trail legs you maintain your trail legs you do you peak and then do you does your body start to break down is there any kind of pattern that you've noticed over the three long trails with the physical body um i would like to say that i've i've learned my body a little bit more over doing this three times now you when i started on the at i was very gung-ho and like watch what I can do. You know, once I hit my trail legs, you decided to start pushing, you know, your body to the limits. Um, cause you think you can handle it after that first long hike on the AT, I learned that the body is, is still pretty damn fragile and you cannot, it, you know, the people that I saw dropping out were the ones that were pushing too hard constantly. And I, I flipped a switch in my head. I'm like, what am I doing? You know, I'm already in pain. Why make it harder than it already is? So I've learned to take a step back and, and flip a switch and say, Hey, I'm on vacation still. This should be fun. You know why I'm not doing this just for the sake of being in pain. That's stupid. So, you know, I started taking longer breaks and listening to my body when it needed a day off. I had no regrets of taking one, zero, two, zeros, even three zeros to let my body recover. And that, you know, they say that the dropout rate of these trails is, you know, 80% pretty consistently every year. I would say most of those people that drop are because of overuse injuries. Um, your body's still fragile and you got to listen to it. So the biggest advice I can give hikers that are going out to do this the first time is you have to listen to your body or else you're just not going to finish. Yeah. Yeah. So listening to your body cliche, but for a reason it's true. Yeah. It's 100% true. Yeah. Yeah. How about the mind? I I guess the body and the mind um, can almost sink in with each other. You know, do you you find yourself becoming fed up mentally at all and and have any kind of low points that way? 
there's there's been points on on these trails where my body has given up but my mind hasn't and vice versa yeah. the worst is when your body starts to give up on you but in your head you're like you know i pushed 20s every single day last week why am i not able to do it this week you know there's a there comes a time when your body just starts, shuts down even though your mind is like hey i can push um and that gets dangerous because you know just normal pain that you're feeling can quickly turn into an injury at that point. So, you know, the, the strongest muscle in your, in your body is actually your mind and your mind can push you a lot farther than your body, um, is able to sometimes, you know, you look at, you listen to interviews with like military guys, like Navy SEALs and, you know, you guys like David Goggins where it's, it's, it's mental, you know, you're in pain, but there are points where your, your mind can push you over to those barriers for sure. Um, sometimes it's as easy as, you know, there's been times where I'm like, I can't take another step. My feet are on fire. You know, my ass is chafing. I'm just, I don't want to hike anymore. I'll sit down under a tree for a half hour to an hour. And that's all it takes to reset my mind. And then I can keep pushing again. So you, you break through barriers constantly. Um, sometimes you just have to take a step back, reset your mind, and then you can go again. Um, this happens a lot when also you get to town, you had a real rough week on trail. And you get to town, you get a shower and you're like, damn, I can quit now. I'm I'm happy. I'm, I'm in a warm bed. You know, I got a hot meal. I can just walk to the McDonald's. Um, so mentally it's hard to get back out there, especially if like the weather's really bad and you're in a, in a town, but you know, it's snowing up there above 6,000 feet. You're like, I don't have to go out there, but your mind, you have to say, you know, get your ass out there, boy, and start walking. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> You mentioned food, actually. That's something I'd like to ask you about because I have watched um, a fair few. Your videos are pretty addictive, actually, I've got to say. Uh, <laughs> before I went out to America this year, I was I know you're on the CDT. And when a new episode came out, I was really, you know, I don't watch TV, but I watch your videos. I like they're more entertaining, <laughs> you know. <laughs> but um, you. yeah, I did hear you mention like you hate trail food. Has that always been the case? And has that got something to do with you also being a cook and maybe, you know, cr creating food the way you like it? What What's the deal with the food? No, when I started on the AT and I told people I was, I'd been a line cook for 10 years, they're like, you must cook some really good meals out here in the trail. I'm like, no, I, I eat ramen like everybody else. I'm lazy. I don't like cooking. I, I really did dislike trail food from, from the get go. So when you eat ramen noodles and instant mashed potatoes and every single day, you quickly get sick of the stuff. There's a few things that I ate that I, I never got sick of. My, my, my main food vice on the trail has always been Nutella um, on the AT it was peanut butter and I got sick of peanut butter. So I switched to Nutella and that's always been my vice after doing this three times. Now I could literally just resupply on candy bars and Nutella and just be happy. It was always, <laughs> it was always a chore for me to eat. I always hated it. it. It was just calories. You know, if you're not eating the calories, your body's not going to be able to push. So you have to force yourself to eat, um, food. It's just, you're burning, burning five to 6,000 calories every single day. So if you don't eat, then you're screwing yourself but I always, I always hated it. It was always a chore. I made up for it when I got to town. I never got sick of town food. <laughs> so um, I would just engorge myself when I got to towns. But yeah, on trail, food is king. If you're not eating, you're, you're not going to hike. But I always hated doing it. Yeah, yeah. No, it's the same with like ultramarathon running. Um, if you don't eat, you know, you're not going to finish. However, there are some, or oh, there's a, the first guy I had on my podcast is a guy called Michael McKnight. Um, mm -hmm. he recently set the Colorado trail. 
Yeah, he ran 100 miles fasted without any food, but I, I don't know if there's anyone else in the world who's done that. But yeah, the rest of everybody else has to eat food to move forwards. And you can do 100 miles, but you couldn't do 2,000 on no food. No, like, you know? no, no, no way in hell. I know, and I, I ate my ass off on the CDT, um, and I still lost about 30 pounds. You know. Yeah, I wanted to ask you about that, like your pre and post weights for that, all three of the trails. Did that, mm -hmm. like follow a pattern as well or how, how did that go so i weighed myself after the at i ended up only losing five pounds um, which is pretty crazy i think they say that uh most men lose between 20 and 30 is about average i think on the at i ended up only losing five so i thought i was doing something right i never weighed myself on the pct um but then the cdt i did and i ended up losing 30 pounds on the cdt and it's not that i was eating less i i just my body just reacted different i don't i don't know um the way i always judged my food intake you know you get people that are counting calories out there and you know i never did that the way i always judged my food intake was if i have the energy to hike you know if i if i got the energy to hike then i've got enough calories in me if i was dragging ass a particular day a uh, particular week when I got into town, the next, the next town, I would up my food calorie, you know, intake from there. So I was judged on my performance on trail and how I was feeling that, that particular week. Yeah. Yeah. Well, um, let me ask you about your, um, followers. I noticed that sometimes you got some, uh, like boxes posted out to you. I thought, which mm -hmm. was kind of pretty cool as well. And, um, and I, and I guess there's like a level of interaction. I mean, you are, you also have a uh, a dog. Remind me of your dog's name. Roscoe P. Waggletails. Yeah, he's, he's passed out on the floor right behind me here. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, Roscoe. I mean, I, I, I couldn't remember if it was a friend or actually a follow who, follower who became a friend did, who looked after Roscoe. Is that right? While you're doing your hike? Hikes? Yeah. The, so each one of these hikes, you know, I, got, I have a basset hound, so he can't hike these long trails. Yeah. Um, but the, my followers who follow me on YouTube or Instagram, wherever they're the ones that have been watching them when I was gone. So it's almost like an extended family, the people that follow me. And, uh, some of them have followed me since the beginning. Um, they've seen me progress. So yeah, it's always been followers who have watched my dog. They're, they're almost an extended family at this point. It feels like. Yeah. Could you talk about maybe one or two or some of your followers and kind of, how that like has changed your hike actually having people out there follow along and any comments or interactions or anything like that that's actually inspired you mm -hmm. yeah um I, I realized this about halfway through the pct that it has almost become a platform to inspire others i never planned on that from the beginning like i said it was just a, a personal journal of mine um, but like I said, halfway through the PCT, I started getting messages from people on a pretty consistent basis while I was on trail of stories in their lives that have ins that just inspired me. Um, coming from my background as, as an, uh, an alcoholic, you know, I had people messaging me. I remember having one guy message me saying, you know, I was addicted to heroin for like 10 years and I started watching you hike on, on YouTube and it inspired me to get clean. And now I'm, you know, three years clean and I'm hi out hiking with my kids. Like that type of story yeah. is just, you can't, I couldn't wrap my head around that. Like in my head, all I'm doing is walking every day, but somehow my story has inspired others. And, and in turn, it's inspired me to keep doing it. Um, knowing you're reaching a greater audience and you're helping people a lot more than you realize just by walking every day. Um, because when you get sucked in this life and, and having done it three times now, 
this is all I, I know for the past four years, I've basically been walking. So it, it seems normal to me, but from an outsider looking in, it's still like, how is this person walking across the country? Like, that's just insanity to me, but they take little pieces of that and, and, and in turn, um, turn their own life around in their own way, which is pretty damn amazing. Yeah, definitely. I mean, if you've inspired some, I mean, that's almost like, I think the path of heroin is even more severe than, or if not just as severe as um, alcohol. And that's definitely again, an early death. So, I mean, absolutely could have saved, you, you don't even know, you know, you could have actually saved a life there um, by inspiring because inspire inspiration is powerful. I mean, it, it, it's what motivates us. You know, we don't get yeah. motivated from nothing. It comes from somewhere and it usually comes from someone doing something that you're inspired by. So, yeah, yeah. Man, I, 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 I tell people though, inspiration is only a, a, a part of the, the puzzle there. It, you get ins- many people get inspired every day to do something, whether it's from watching some guy hike on YouTube or, or whatever it is, watching an ultra runner break a FKT, whatever it is, you get inspired by these people a lot, but then you do nothing about it. So the inspiration is only the first part. You have to act on that inspiration and that's the only way. So, you know, I get people that come up to me and say, you know, you've inspired me to, to hike the Appalachian trail and I'm going to do it one day. Well, you need to get set, put that a plan together and start doing it. I don't care if you have to start out day hiking, go out and buy some gear and, and start day hiking that will turn into weekend trips. It turns into section hikes, turns into a through hike, you know, inspiration is only the beginning. You have to start acting and, and creating a plan to uh, act on that inspiration. It's funny. Um, I don't know if you've heard this as well and it just tied in with what you were saying, but so I was listening to the David Goggins audio book while I was, um, in new hampshire and uh Mm. uh, on the way to maine and he said the same thing he's like inspiration is good but it stops there you know you need to put you need to put in some work (laughs) because uh, inspiration is is just the spark you know yeah people say life is life is too short and life catches up with people well life is only short if you allow it to be you know if you're out doing cool shit all the time life can be pretty damn fulfilling but if you're working a nine to five for 30 40 years and, and living in this cocoon bubble and watching other people, you know, do this kind of stuff. Well, that, you know, life, yeah, life can be short then, <laughs> but I, you know, even the past having been in a drunken stupor for 15 years, this past three, these past three through hikes has felt the equivalent of those 15 years I drank in just a three year period from all the stuff I've done. So, you know, you know, I got, I got a question here about positivity and negativity. So, when you were drinking for 10 years, it, was it say 10 years or was it 15? 10 to 15 years, yeah. Okay, 10 to 15 years, right? You're doing something. That's a negative pastime. Um, and when you're hiking, for me, that's a positive, you know, that's some a positive hobby. Now, where would you say the difference comes from? I mean, are you naturally a positive person or did you have to, is it something that we have to work towards? you know, what, what, how, how come, you know, at one point in your life, you're choosing to drink and then, cause I believe it's a choice. And then another point you're choosing to, like you said, do awesome shit. What, what's the difference there? I mean, were you a positive person when you were drinking? Do you see where I'm coming from? Yeah. The whole mindset had to change. You know, when, when I started going to like rehab and things that when you go to rehab, they, they, break you down to the basic core of 
not everybody like you said it's a choice okay i chose that lifestyle to drink i wasn't born like that you know um but something flipped in my head and i started feeling sorry for myself which yeah. just progressed the drinking and then i became depressed and it was just i was stuck in in that rut i had to change my mindset before you know you can't force somebody to stop drinking you just, you just can't do it you know and for years and years i friends and family members say you know jeff you need to quit this or you're gonna die well you don't want to hear that shit the only way i was able to quit was i wanted i had to tell myself i want to quit so it, it was a it was a mindset thing you know i had hit three rock bottoms pretty much before i actually said hey i'm not i'm young i can't go out like this and i changed my mindset and i said i'm gonna start living my life again I had to start from the very basics and slowly make baby steps into what I've, you know, I, I I'm where I'm at now. Um, so yeah. Yeah. You know, and and was, where you, yeah. Where you're at now, does that, do you have space in your life now to feel sorry for yourself? Is that, or is that, a, is that something which is long behind you? Um, I would say it has never gone away. Um, I find myself going back when I get off these long trails um, you know, the, the old memories are still there, you know, they never go away. So it's not like I'm completely healed these long hikes while I'm out there, I'm working through a process. You'll see me break down. I don't know if you watch YouTube videos where I just break down crying on the trail, not that I'm in physical pain or anything like that. I just break down Well, I'm hashing stuff out of my head when I'm on these long hikes, you know, you're out there long enough. And I hike by myself, so I don't have somebody to talk to. I'm inside my head all day long. And a lot of those old memories creep up constantly, and I break down. I'm a human being. So, you know, I'm always hashing this stuff out, and it's it's a constant. I'm working at it every single day. When I get off these trails and I'm, you know, I, I'm not, I can't do something physically to get my mind off of that stuff. That's when those old memories really do creep up. So it's a, it's a, one of the reasons why. I'm always playing the next one because you know, yeah. when I'm on trail, I'm happier than just sitting around. You know what I mean? Does that make yeah. sense? Yeah, yeah, no, totally. hundred percent. You answered my question perfectly. It wasn't a very good question, but mm. you understood what I was saying. Um, and uh, yeah, no, no, thanks. So, so like, um, like you say, it takes work. You're always having to look for the, the, the next, um, the next goal. And, and so, you know and then you say the memories what do you mean by the memories you mean the memories of what you did or how do you mean the memories the memories of the where i was at in that hole when i was drinking you know i those are very vivid in my head so um yeah when when i was you know i committed i tried to commit suicide twice um you know when when i was in the lowest part of my life and i i didn't i wanted to end my own life you know, I still remember that. And it's one of those motivational factors to where I don't want to go back to where I was, you know what I mean? Um, cause it was, it was rough period in my life for sure. So that keeps you on your toes. And I mean, it just shows you that every human being can, you know, be vulnerable to themselves and their own self pity. And that it, it, it is a choice, you know, I believe anyway, that's my, belief that it's a choice to uh, strive for better and and talking about um, striving for better so you've done the triple crown 
you know, um, I don't just want to like, it's not the end and I'm just saying what's next now for you, but I am really interested in, this is like the beginning. I mean, how old are you? Um, what's your age? I'll be 40. I'll be 41 uh, here in a couple of weeks. Yeah. So like, you know, most probably um, men in their forties are right in the midst of their kind of career, you know, like uh, <laughs> with whatever it may be. Um, and I think, it seems like you're just at the beginning, you know, this triple crown, the YouTube, the photography, the, um, the motivational speaking. I mean, you know, definitely what you're saying is the right stuff to say um, for, for, you know, like you said, inspiration is one part of it, but it's not all part of it. What can, do you have like a bigger picture of what you want to do with your life? Um, I mean, even if it's the next five or 10 years. I, I just, so the whole white picket fence in the suburbs thing never appealed to me. You know, I, as a kid, this is nothing new. The hiking thing is new for me, but as a kid, I was the kid, you know, I, I would run away from home and, and just like wander down the train tracks. You know, uh, I hitchhiked across the country when I was 16 years old. Yeah. So th this whole life, I've always been a through hiker just without the hiking part. Um, as far as the future goes, yes, the triple crown was the beginning for me. Like, like I told you before, when I decided to do the AT, I decided to do all three, but that wasn't the end all be all of what I wanted to do. Once I found out that I loved this lifestyle, you know, you see natural progression amongst all through hikers, not all, but many, you see re, what they call repeat offenders. You see the same person, people out there on the trail every year because you get into this lifestyle and that's what it is. It's a lifestyle for me. I was never a one and done. So it's not so much about the particular trails I'm hiking. Quite honestly, I don't really care what trail I'm hiking. It's just a, the lifestyle of being out in nature and living as free as possible that I'm, that I'm attracted to. Um, yes, the Triple Crown was a specific goal that I had in my head that I wanted to complete. But now that that's done, bring on whatever trail it is. You know what I mean? I really don't care. It's about living free and um, just not being crammed in a nine to five world when you're just miserable and you're just living paycheck to paycheck. I, I, that never appealed to me. You know, I didn't really care. I haven't owned a car in like 10 years. You know what I mean? I live very simply. It's about the experiences for me. So just being on trail, whatever trail it is, I'll just keep hiking them until my body shuts down. You know, what is your life like in between these trails? Like, do you live in an apartment? Um, what, what's your living situations like off trail? So I've lucked out the past couple of years. Um, the, like with my following now that I've developed on YouTube, like I said, a lot of these people are like extended family for me. So um, currently I'm living in Georgia from, in a spare house that one of my followers had on their property. And so I'm allowed to live here and plan my next hike. Um, you know, that's awesome. If I had, if I had to go back to work and start from square one, it'd be rough for me because I, I've tried to go back to work before I did it after the AT and I was miserable. You know, how you going from six months of your life where you do what you want, when you want, how you want, you don't have anybody telling you what to do. And then you try to go back to the workforce and you've got someone that's younger than you trying to tell you what to do. I it's not, I can't do it. Yeah. You know, I was just miserable when I tried to go back to work. So um, th this go around, it's been easier because you know, I'm, I'm concentrating on playing my next adventure concentrating on my photography the things that i love in life i'm able to concentrate on so 
Um, that's been my current living situation, but it's always, you never know when I was getting ready to finish the CDT, I, I was starting to get worried because I had no place to go. I don't have a home. I don't have a car, you know, no job lined up. Like it's very scary. Um, but it seems it always works out for me in the long run. So I'm living day to day, week to week, year to year, really. I don't know where I'll end up or, you know, where I'm going to be living, but that's part of the excitement, I guess. (laughs) Yeah, no, come on, isn't it? Like, I mean, surely those people who have uh, the life mapped out um, entirely, it's nice to head in a certain direction. You know, in other words, you're heading away from um, drugs and alcohol towards being sober and trails and nature. So you have a direction, you know, you just mm. don't, you know, have an exact schedule. So that's fair enough. Um, yeah. No, that uh, that's really awesome about the house in Georgia. Um yeah like uh let me just gather my thoughts here for a second yeah that's right that's what i wanted to go to next so obviously hiking um you know and living and just breathing in this world today cost money um so you know which is awesome because i've got your for everyone listening um jeff is also known as ibitat um has prints for sale um on your website which the link is in the bio on your instagram um and as you said your instagram is titled saved by mountains which i'll put a link in to whatever show notes i make um and you've also got merch as well um so do you see yourself in a position that you could actually make not just this a hobby something you again you called it doing awesome shit do you see this as, as actually a potential way of sustaining yourself also financially? In the short term, yes. Um, I don't, you know, selling prints and merch and everything else. I do make some money from YouTube, but not much. Um, it's enough to sustain my lifestyle currently. Yeah. Um, like I said, I live so simply that I don't need much. You know what I mean? I need to buy new gear and save up some food money to go hike these trails, but that's about it. I don't have you know, a mortgage, I don't have a car, mm. you know, nothing like that. So I, I live simply enough to where selling prints and doing YouTube is enough to sustain me in the short term. Yeah. Um, as far as long term goes, there is no retirement plan for me. You know, I'll, yeah. I'll probably be the 80 year old guy working at REI eventually <laughs> when I can't hike anymore because that's all I know. Um, yeah. But yeah, I, I, I don't, I haven't looked that far into the future. I, I know there is no retirement plan for me. I've met enough old timers on the AT that are still well into their seventies, eighties and nineties still out hiking. And yeah. as long as my body holds together, I don't see why I can't be one of those guys, you know, 30, 40 years from now. I want to ask you, um, there's, I know you hike on the trail yet, um, solo, right. But I know sometimes, it just happens that you may spend a little bit of time with people. I found that when I was on the Appalachian Trail this year, I'm in my mid-40s, I'm 44 years old, and there was young people on the trail. There was, as you said, older people, 60-plus on the trail. And I felt myself gravitating towards, in terms of getting knowledge, I felt I, I was getting the most knowledge or, um, you know, I just really appreciated the kind of wisdom that the older hikers had. Did you, do you feel, how do you feel with the different age groups on trail and which kind of age group 
do you um, kind of gravitate towards if you've got a choice between having a conversation with a bunch of young people and a bunch of old people? Like which kind of I'm, group? I'm, a, I'm, a, I'm the same way. I've always gravitated towards the older crowd. Even when I wasn't, before I started, I was hiking. I've always enjoyed going into a barber shop or a coffee shop and sitting down with old timers. Yeah. Uh, one of my favorite parts of these long hikes, when you go into these small town USAs, I would always go into the mom and pop diner find the old guys sitting around drinking coffee, talking about the weather. I'd always yeah. sit and talk with those guys. Oh, it's always what I've been gravitated towards. You find a lot of the younger crowd on the Appalachian trail. And I'm sure you've, you saw a lot more younger people on the AT. It's just that trail is mostly, you know, it's a lot of first timers. So it's a lot of the younger kids straight out of college or high school that are getting out of, away from their parents for the first time. And it's a party trail. They call it a party trail. So you, you find yourself at a shelter with like, you know, 10, 15 other younger, mid, you know, early twenties. And, um, even, even in my thirties, I, I didn't relate to those, those folks. So I always kind of set my tent away from the shelter and got away from those people. But when I found myself at camp with an old, old timer, I had no problem sitting around a fire with that guy and absorbing the knowledge of, of that old timer. Cause he's been around. It's yeah. I, 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 I draw a lot of inspiration from those old timers. I'm, I'll, I'll tell you a story about a guy, a guy by the name of Pappy, his trail name is Pappy. I don't know if you're familiar with this guy, but he's, he's hiked the AT multiple times yeah. and I, he hiked it in 2018. I think it was his third or fourth time hiking it at that point. He was in his eighties, upper eighties. And I wanted to meet him so bad. He was up in Maine when I was up in Maine, but he had flipped and was going southbound at the time. And I was really hoping to run into him. Well, I found out through the grapevine that he happened to be in the same town as I was up in Maine. And, but he was staying in a different hostel across town. Well, we had both got to the trailhead the next morning. I missed him by a half hour and I was like heartbroken. I didn't get to meet this guy. Well, fast forward the next year, I, I was working at an outfitter mountain crossings on the AT in Georgia. And he came through and he was hiking it again that year. And I was working and he came in the shop and my eyes lit up. I'm like, you have no idea how long I've been waiting to meet you. I said, buy whatever you want. It's on me. I bought him Whoa. a couple of pizza. I got, I bought him a couple of pizzas and, nice. and it said, tell me a couple stories. And that was uh, a true honor sitting down with Pappy and just, he's a Korean war veteran and he's well in his eighties, still hiking. It was just inspiring as hell for me. Um, yeah. So yes, yeah. the, the older crowd, man, I, I, I've always drawn, been drawn to those guys. Yeah. Did, did you meet Peacefoot um, at all? No, no, uh, I didn't run peace. No. No, he's a, he's a pretty cool guy. We were, we were chatting um, on the AT this year and I thought he was like late forties, you know, cause he just looked in shape and I don't know. He just looked like he knew what I was doing. And I heard he'd run a couple of hundred milers and stuff. And turns out he's like 60 something. And I was just no. blown away. I thought, wow, that's what I want to look like when I'm 60, you know? I, I remember when I was in, I was in my twenties and I would, the older the adults in my life that were probably in their mid forties we're always complaining how they're, they're, they're tired and they're, they're run down and man, I'm in middle age now. And now that I'm, I'm that age, it's like, what the hell are you complaining about? You know what I mean? Get out on the trail. You're not old. You're young. Like yeah. 40 is not old. What are you talking about? It's just hilarious to me looking back. Like those people thought they were so old. And now that I'm that age, I'm like, I feel, <laughs> you know, I feel like I'm in my twenties still. It's like, it's a lot of its mindset, man. Yeah, no, it is for sure. Cause I've seen it. I've seen it with my own eyes. Let's have a little chat about gear, um, from top to toe, I guess. Uh, what, what's your, what, what's your take on, um, the, or 
toe to top what what shoes uh i know you you're a fan of ultra is that right yeah i've worn ultras since a lone peak since the uh they're up to their version 5.0s yeah. i i switched to ultras way back in their uh in the 2.5s is when i was i switched to those yeah uh yeah. i started off wearing La sportivas when i first started getting into hiking um some other hiker that i had met had recommended them so i tried them out i got i got quite a few blisters wearing those toes uh, those shoes I have really wide feet and what drew, drew me to the ultras originally is their wide toe box. Mm. Um, so once I switched to those, my, it took care of my blister problem. And I've had a total of, I think three blisters combined on all three trails now oh, from wearing lone peaks. So if it ain't, if it ain't broke, don't, don't fix it. Kind of a yeah. thing. The, I will say that the lone peaks, um, aren't the most durable things in the world. Yeah. Um, you know, most through hikers have switched to trail runners and obviously they're not going to be as durable as a boot, but they're so lightweight and they dry out so fast. And um, I'll take not having blisters over durability issues any day of the week. Yeah. Uh, I generally get four to 500 miles out of a pair and then I swap them out. So that's not, if they ain't broke, don't fix them. No, yeah, I actually rocked good. the pair on the PCT. The pair I started off with, I rocked the pair for 700 and something miles. Um, rocked the first pair all the way to Kennedy Meadows, which is at mile like 715 or so. I probably should have swapped them out at 500, but they didn't make it 700 miles. Um, but you, consistently yeah how, how do you feel when you're about to throw a pair of shoes because there's almost a relationship isn't there you know do you, is, i mean i don't know you've done it so many times you probably just don't even think about it but is there a moment of looking at the trainer and saying goodbye and then throwing it away or whatever you do with it you, you do get attached to some of this gear uh i was more attached to this stuff like on on the at like man i've, I've use the same water bottle for the past three, 400 miles. You get attached to a water bottle as stupid <laughs> as, it, as it sounds. Yeah. And the shoes, I was like, I remember the first pair of shoes I threw away on the AT. I looked at them and they stunk and they were just falling apart. I'm like, man, I'd really love to, have, I'm, this is sentimental now. I don't really want to throw them <laughs> away. So I debated with myself throwing these things in the trash. Maybe I should have sent them home. I don't, maybe I just want to look at them when I get off the trail but that's that's quickly turned to like get this shit away from me throw it away i don't want to see it again you know the sentimental part of it is long gone a lot with, with a lot of this stuff now yeah. that i've done it so long so no, like I, get that gear away from me <laughs> yeah i get it i get it how about socks what socks do you go for um i i, I gravitate more towards darn tufts any sort of merino wool sock i've worn a few brands uh point yeah. six i've worn those um fit socks i've worn those as long as they're merino wool, I don't really don't have a preference. You know, do, you what know, weight do you go for? Do you go for like a lighter weight or a thicker one? I noticed there's different thicknesses of uh, yeah socks. I, I've I've gravitated towards the thicker, heavy cushion socks. I prefer. Yeah. Don't ask me why. It's just a personal preference thing. Gotcha. Um, yeah. I prefer the the heavy cushion socks. Okay, how about like uh, shorts, t-shirt, and that kind of stuff? I wore, um, on the AT and PCT, I just wore, wore standard running shorts, um, quick dry running shorts, the durability on those things, they fell apart pretty easily. Um, yeah. so on the CDT, I actually switched to, um, I don't know, they call them hiking shorts. They're a little more durable with okay. zip pockets. And, um, those, the pair I wore on the CDT this past year held up the whole trail. So that's impressive. Um, yeah. a lot of people like the real short length shorts. I've never liked those things. Some people claim that you have better mobility, with those things, the shorts I wore last year came just above my kneecap and they still gave me plenty of mobility going up and down hills. So, yeah, yeah, no, that, that, yeah, that makes sense. Um, and I think you just wear like a checkered shirt, don't you? Is that right? Or like a, yeah, like a um, shirt? yeah, 
Yeah, yeah. you know that I've. So, I think people will put too much emphasis on a lot of this gear. You know, it's always fun to have the new and best thing. You watch YouTube videos of people recommending gear, and you're like, "Well, this guy wears this high, quick, dry, technical shirt." Yeah, it doesn't really matter. Having done this three times now, you see, especially on the PCT, the whole that whole uh, crowd has adopted like a standard, just cheap, you know, uh, Salvation Army five dollar shirt. And, I'll, and it's funny because um, on the PCT, I started off with a real nice technical, quick, dry shirt, you know, and that thing fell apart. And I went into a thrift store in Edna, California and bought a $5 dress shirt off the rack. And that thing lasted longer than my high technical shirt. So yeah. stuff like that, I think people put too much emphasis on, I don't know, yeah. <laughs> you know. Yeah. Yeah. How about, um, yeah, I don't want to spend like uh, the, the rest of the time, but just quickly, I guess what sleeping bag tent and backpack are the other three things. Mm -hmm. Uh, so my sleeping bag, I switched to, I started off with a quilt, um, and lightened equipment. I don't know if you're familiar with that brand. They make pretty high quality quilts. Yeah. I use the same quilt for it lasted me two through hikes on the AT and PCT. And then I, losing some down out of it, had some holes in it at that point. So I switched to another one, same company, Enlightened Equipment. Um, my tent, I've used uh, the Z-Pax Duplex. I've always used non-freestanding tents. I set up with trekking poles. So yeah. I used the Duplex on the AT as well as the CDT. And the PCT, I used a um, Hyperlite Mountain Gear uh, Durago 2. Um, I prefer a two-person tent because yeah. I'm just I'm lazy and I throw my gear everywhere. So a one person yeah. seems a little too cramped. And my pack, I've used basically the same pack all three trails, Hyperlite Mountain Gear. Uh, I use the Wind Rider uh, for the AT and PCT, and then the Junction Pack um, on the CDT, which is basically the same pack, only a few different you know modifications, but yeah, same pack all three trails. Yeah. Well, how can let me just ask? Uh, so we, we, I suppose we're coming to the end of this here, and I just wanted to ask you. There's two more questions I've got, um, and the first one is. How do you feel hiking like this and embracing this lifestyle could change a person? Um, not necessarily, yeah, I mean, speaking about yourself, but, you know, is it a good thing for someone to go and do, do you reckon? 100%. Now, yeah. I, there, there's an, I'm going to drop all another cliche saying on you, and it's through hiking will ruin your life in the best way possible. Yeah. Meaning once you do one of these long hikes, some people more than uh, some people more than others um, have a more difficult time reintegrating into the real world, going back to a normal life after doing something like this, myself included, I found I couldn't go back to that sort of life. Now on the flip side, I've seen many hikers do one of these long trails and use what they learned on the trail and used it to, for the better and back to their old life that they were accustomed to, meaning they were a better student. They were a better employee. They were a better employer. They've just used what they learned on the trail and made it better in their normal life back home. Um, so it can go both ways. Um, but I've met enough hikers, including myself to where I can't go back to something like that. It just, it just is not fulfilling for me anymore. You know, sitting uh, nine to five, just, it doesn't appeal to me whatsoever. It's, I feel like I'm wasting my life away doing that. So there's, there's good and bad. It's, it's, you know, some people, some people are, are better than others than, than uh, going back to the real world. I'm not one of them. <laughs> yeah. And, and then um, finally, I just want to ask you, 
could you give uh, some tips and advice to someone who's, like you said, you've inspired and now they're thinking about it? What's, what's the next step? So I would say if, you, if, you're, if you're on the fence about, like, I don't know if I can do a long hike. So this is what I did when I first started hiking. I started out as a day hiker, you know, it's going up on day hikes. And then that quickly went into the weekend, buy a tent, backpack, go stay overnight somewhere. And then if you really enjoy it, go out and do a long week long hike. That's, this is the progression that I took. Mm -hmm. So by the time I decided to through hike, I had done week long sections before it was just an extension of a week long, just doing it week at a time, week at a time. Uh, uh, so I would say, don't go out and buy the most expensive gear you can find and say, Hey, I'm going to through hike the Appalachian trail you might find out they don't like it. So I would say go do a weekend trip first. If you like that, do a week long trip, do a section hike of some sort and then, and take it from there because this gear is expensive and not a lot of people, if you make the decision to quit your job and sell your house and all your belongings, and then you realize you don't like it. Well, now where are you at? So make the decision, but don't just go full bore into it and uh, realize you don't like it. Yeah, that no, that makes a lot of sense. Uh, baby steps, I guess. Um, you know, when I started, you know, I've run 100 milers and stuff. And uh, I didn't start off with 100 milers. I started off with uh, 5k. <laughs> you know, yeah, you'd like, be a freak uh, of nature if you started off with 100, 100 milers. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. Hey, um, oh, right. I said last question, but, you know, I can't let you go without asking and if you're fed up of answering this question, excuse me, like, where does the trail name IBTAT come from? Yeah, I, uh, I, I kind of shot myself in the foot naming my YouTube channel that because I have to explain the story. <laughs> it seems like <laughs> every hiker I meet, uh, IBTAT stands for I've been to a town. Where it comes oh, from is right. when, when I, I don't know if you're familiar with the movie Jeremiah Johnson with Robert Redford um maybe but i, I can't so recall right for the now. people for the people that don't know I'll, I'll tell so the movie jeremiah johnson is my favorite movie of all time basically the premise of the movie is robert redford plays a mountain man it's loosely based off of a real mountain man um nicknamed liver eating johnson so the fur trapping trade after the civil war a lot of guys were going out west after lewis and clark and started the fur the fur trade um he is one of these guys. So he goes out there, lives off the land, fur traps, and um, the whole the whole movie. So what happens is he marries a Native American gal, and the Crow tribe end up killing his wife and kid. And he takes yeah. revenge on the on the Crow tribe. Um, so the whole movie, he's being attacked by Native Americans, and he's sitting around the fire one night with another one of his mountain man buddies. And, you know, his, his buddy's like, you know, Jeremiah, maybe you ought to get out of these mountains, go down to a town where it's safe. And he yep. looks at him and he says, I've been to a town. Like he didn't, he would said goodbye to that life. Yeah. Even though his life is in danger out here in the mountains, this is where he's happy. And this is where he wants to be. And that, that line always stuck with me. So when I started my YouTube channel, I named it, shortened it to I be tat. I've been to a town and it stuck as a trail name after that. Um, so now I have to explain that story to every single <laughs> hiker, but most people assume it's because I'm covered in tattoos, which is fine. I let people believe that now. So I don't have to tell that story every time, but that's originally where it came from. I've been to a town, didn't really care for it much. I'd rather be out here in the mountains. I like that. That's, um, that's like, I thought it had something to do with tattoos, but, um, no, that's awesome. Well, Hey, uh, any shout outs or anything before we uh, say goodbye? Uh, no, if, if you want to follow my hikes, 
they're all on YouTube. Uh, I've made playlists for all three trails. I filmed every single day. So if you're uh, getting bored with Netflix, hop on YouTube and uh, you can watch myself uh, in pain <laughs> for six months at a time up these, uh, these long hikes. Yeah. Well, Hey, thank you for coming on. Um, and, uh, yeah, like, uh, I'm really excited. Oh, could, do you have any idea what your next, like you say, adventure or hike is yet? Or is that, um, I'm, I'm playing with some ideas. Um, I I really don't know, to be honest with you, Yeah. you know, there's a laundry list of hikes I'd like to do. So we'll make a plan this winter and I'll make, I'll, I'll start making some definite plans. Um, come springtime and i'll be out on the trail somewhere next year i just don't know where yet all right cool well let's end it there man um nice one thank you jeff for coming on to the show thank you everybody for listening i really appreciate thank you for all the people who have given me ratings on apple and uh you guys have a great week and in the meantime uh stay safe